Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Yes, it is the 30-something movie podcast. And, uh... It's, it's me and Pat tonight. How are you doing, Pat? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Hey, I've hung in here. I've hung in. I've seen all the movies for the horror month. I've there you been go. in there. You, I've had you did. I'm proud of you. I, you know, I'm proud of myself. Mm-hmm. Was, it, was it as bad a month as it felt like it was last year? I can't. I, I don't. I, I think it was fine. I don't think okay. any of this was like hardcore, like horror that really you know you know what i'm saying like, they weren't really all that scary happened. yes so yeah yeah i feel like we had scarier um, movies in in the last few years or so especially with like nightmare on elm street and the poltergeist ones and I, some of those are a little bit scarier than i feel yeah. like some of these were now i'm trying to think did we do poltergeist we did not do the first one we did the second one remember with the the creepy yep. priest yeah, the creepy priest yeah. guy. I didn't see the end. Yeah, okay. God is in his holy temple. That one. Yeah, that yeah. was the one you guys broke that scene down and uh-huh. the whole thing, and that was just, that was pretty intense. Yeah. For a movie that's not so great, it has some great scenes. Well, here we are. It's, um, let's see, when is this? This will be coming out on, it'll be November 1st, so we will be out of the month of October. Uh, yesterday will have been Halloween. Uh, we're recording this mm-hmm. before Halloween, though, so... Um, do you guys, uh, do you have uh, Halloween costumes all ready to go? Or are you going trick-or-treating tomorrow night? I, well, we're doing the trick-or-treating thing. I don't have a costume. Okay. I've, I've, I kind of fell short um, this year. Um, I, you know? You could do, I, I you, know what you, you know what you year. could do is you could just do your, uh, your clothes that you wear for riding your motorcycle and then just put some sunglasses on and you're the Terminator. Right. I mean, you know, that would work. Yeah. That would work. Um, you know, the other thing... Y- I, uh, um, the other thing I've seen, which is pretty cool is, you know, it's a, uh, a decal that goes over your motorcycle helmet and it looks like the Iron Man. Um, Oh, nice. It looks like the Iron Man. So it's kind of cool when you're going down the road, Okay. it looks like the, the, the head of the Iron Man is like looking off the top of your helmet. So oh, nice. Or the face of Iron Man. And so that's cool. So I, I mean, I could do that and kind of, like that. you know, that would be Iron Man. I mean, that would be a good. <laughs> overnight thing i thought it would be fun after dunkirk to dress up as like an raf pilot from the second world war there you go um but again it's like ridiculous amounts of money to get that stuff so it's like okay well that one kind of fell through yeah so yeah i don't know i kind of fell short this year but but the kids are going to go daniela is going to be a bat dominic is going to be one of the pokemon he's going to be a squirtle the pokemon so that's uh that's pretty exciting so so why don't you uh Talk to me, John. What's what do you got lined up? I know you're pretty uh, big into the costume this year. You know what? I I am I am always big into Halloween. I, the costume? I don't know what I'm going to do. 
because I had I had uh, I was putting together a costume a little bit more for uh, the comic convention that we go to the C two E two in Chicago. Okay, and, and that costume's almost done. I did finally get the jacket for it. I put together a Rocketeer costume, and I right. uh, did get the jacket for that one the other day. And uh, so all I'm down to are maybe some boots, and then I actually have to build the rocket pack. And uh, I you know I don't have. I think I, I think I spent my load on the uh, the helmet and the jacket, so I'm going to try to do the rocket pack out of a couple of Pepsi bottles. Yeah, so th- that's that easy. Definitely not happening by tomorrow night. So um, I could either be mm-hmm. a grounded rocketeer that's not going anywhere, or uh, I've got the trusty Jedi robe that I've done for probably the last two or three years now. I could always do that. Um, right. And usually I, right. I do kind of a big thing for school. I don't I don't know that I'm going to do a big thing for school tomorrow. I think. Uh, uh, as, as you know, you know, family stuff has been a little rough in the last uh, week or so, going to a funeral out of state yeah. and all that. So yeah. Halloween this year kind of, I don't want to say it snuck up on me, but it's just not, uh, it wasn't a priority this year. We'll put it that way. Right. So I think uh, tomorrow yeah. for work is going to be kind of a low-key costume for me. And I might do a, uh, I think what I'm thinking of doing is maybe just do like a Superman shirt uh, underneath an unbuttoned uh, like white shirt or something over it. Right, because I've got the glasses, okay. so I'm like, there's an automatic Clark Kent thing there anyway. So, so I might just do that. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah and I'm then uh, the, the-, the kids are doing. Um, let's see, what are the kids doing? Uh, Nora, I'm not sure what Nora's doing. She's kind of gone back and forth on uh, whether she wants to be Ray from Force Awakens. Um, she okay. had at one point in time she was talking about. Uh, uh, like a unicorn type costume, uh, so I don't know exactly what she's decided on. Uh, John has gone back and forth between being a zombie and then being a football player. Okay, and he might choose zombie football player. I don't know. Um, so Why not? I, I could show him uh, Beetlejuice because we got uh, undead football players in that one. Right. Right. So, so yeah. So I'm, I'm not quite sure. Uh, not quite sure if everybody's uh, solidified their plans for Halloween costumes just yet, but we do have plans to definitely go out and go trick or treating. And John has already surveyed his friends to find out where the houses are that give away the uh, full size candy bars and stuff like that. Right. So he's uh, he's already. I think he sat down at his computer, uh, his his Chromebook from school. I think he was trying to make up a map of where he wanted to go, uh, talking to his friends about where the best candy bars are. So he's he's plotting mm-hmm. the whole thing out and and getting it all figured out and. That's exciting. So, that's exciting. Yeah. So, so that's our thing. And then we that usually, as, as kind of our tradition, we do. Um, I don't know if you ever watched it as a kid. Did you ever watch the Disney? Oh, what was it called? Like the Haunted Halloween uh, cartoon special. I think so. It now had. That you mention it. There, there was a series of like short Disney cartoons, and it was the one where uh, Donald Duck. Uh, keeps playing pranks on Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and this witch decides to help them out. And so, ultimately, she casts a spell on his feet. Okay. And, and like, makes him run around and kick himself and do all kinds of other crazy things. And then there was another Donald Duck one where there's an escaped gorilla, and it gets in the house, and it's chasing okay. him around. Uh, the last one I always remember watching was the uh, skeleton dance. It was from, like, 1921 or... 30, maybe 31, 21, somewhere around there, uh, 20s or 30s. So it's just old black and white with some music playing, and it's all these, these uh, skeletons come up out of the, the graves, and they start dancing around. Okay. And uh, I think they did a clip from the, 
uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow, the Ichabod Crane and the Headless Horseman. I think they did a clip from that, and they did a couple of other clips. Um, they did uh, Sword in the Stone, where you had Merlin doing a, a like a wizard battle with Mad Madam Mim from the Sword in the Stone movie. So it was just like a series of clips and and short, uh, you know, Disney short animated oh, cool. deals. And I just remember checking that either either we had the tape or it was on TV or we would check it out from the video store. And I feel like we watched it. It felt like every Halloween. Might not have been every Halloween, but it kind of felt that way. So I've been able to track down all of those videos either on YouTube or somewhere else. And uh, I've kind of made my own uh, little little DVD to try to recreate the one that we used to check out from the, the video store back in the day. So that's okay. the last couple of years, that's kind of been our tradition to watch after we're done trick-or-treating. Oh, that's fun. So we do that. That's and then uh, a couple of years ago, I don't know if it was last year, but a couple of years ago, uh, the kids, we watched um, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Okay. So, I know that's one of the ones that you've rec- you guys have recommended. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. And I, I did track down. I've, so I've got copies and I tracked down. I did not get a chance to watch them this year, but we'll watch them at some point. I uh, did track down a copy of almost all of the, uh, like the old Universal monster movies. So like okay, uh, Invisible Man, The Mummy, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Dracula, Wolfman, uh, Frankenstein, all those old black and whites with uh, Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi and, and all those guys. So I've got that at some point in my back pocket to be able to watch, and I'm, I'm sure John will want to see those at some point. So, Oh, yeah. Didn't make it for Halloween That's this cool. year, but we'll, we'll get it sometime. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very cool, man. A couple, a couple little traditions, cool. traditions here and there that we'll, we'll go along with. Yeah. Uh, but uh, taking a, a, a bit of a detour from tradition, let's talk about some new stuff. Let's do it, man. I have new one. Movie. I have one story. Otherwise, pretty much everything right now is Marvel and Star Wars, and we've kind of already talked about that. Um, yep. <clears throat> oh, very, very quickly, let me say uh, this episode we're talking about the movie Near Dark from 1987, and we we. May spoil the events of the movies we talk about, so if you don't want to be spoiled, this is just kind of a heads up right now that this we do go into, we might go into plot points, we might give away some stuff, give away the ending of the movie, so just be aware that we spoil stuff. So, there it is. Yeah. Uh, so, the new movie th- news uh, thing that I saw, and this might have come out, this might have come out before, but... Um, I just saw it today. So here's, here's the thing I just saw today. I want to get your take on this because I think uh, you had mentioned that you had watched this show back in the day too. Uh, they are in talks to develop and apparently a script has been completed for a Quantum Leap movie. Really? So I've got uh, from Cinema, uh. cinemablend.com. Uh, this is their article on it and it says... Um, they talk about now it turns out that a cult favorite actually has a theatrical script already written. Over the weekend, Quantum Leap star Scott Bakula and show creator Donald P. Belisario got together for a Comic-Con panel where they were asked what the possibility of a reboot was. As it turns out, the odds are pretty decent as Belisario has already written a script. According to him, and this is a quote from the, the creator of Quantum Leap, I just finished writing a Quantum Leap feature. I don't know what's going to happen with it, but I did write it. I write things exactly the same way. I just start writing and I let them take me wherever it's going to take me. I'm entertained the same way the audience is. So I just put Scott and Dean Stockwell in my head, kind of rebooted them, and went from there. Huh. So. Huh. uh, The article goes on to say that even though um, there is a script written, that there are no, like, 
concrete plans for them to do anything with it right now. But, um, you know, it just kind of seems like if you're going to sit down and take the time to write a script, then that's, you're at least starting the process that you'd eventually see a, a Quantum Leap movie yeah. out of this. So I guess here's my question for you. You watched Quantum Leap back in the day. I did. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm almost predicting your question because I was going to kind of throw this out there, but go ahead. Yeah. Would you rather see a Quantum Leap movie or a Quantum Leap TV show? Yeah, you know, it's really funny that you mentioned that because that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, oh, cool. I had a, I had a couple thoughts. First of all, I was like, oh, cool, more Quantum Leap because that was a pretty cool show. Mm-hmm. And then my next thought was, man, Scott Bakula is just a pretty cool guy. And I wonder what he's like to meet in real life and everything. So I kind of got mentally sidetracked there when you were talking. And then my last thought was, yeah, how is that going to work? Because it's, it's like geared for, you know, he's supposed to jump in these different um, people. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like it's geared for that, like weekly, it's going to hit a different, um, it's going to hit like a, he's, he's going to be part of a different thing each week. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's very episodic. Yes, that's yeah. kind of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of my thing too, was when I first heard that, I thought, oh, a, a movie. Well, I mean, I guess if yeah. it's if it's well written, then that's fine. But I I kind of find myself lately, when looking at how much I enjoy movies and I and I love movies, um, versus how much I enjoy television. In yeah. terms of storytelling, I really enjoyed the way a lot of stations and a lot of you know, websites now with Netflix and things like that, a lot of the different studios, the way they're doing TV now, you can really just flesh out a character a whole lot more than you can in a two and a half hour movie. Well, yeah. So, I mean, it's almost like the way we get, the way we get TV shows now is you get them dropped on you all at once. And so right. you can get a, what's basically a nine hour movie and I get the same enjoyment, if not more, um, out of, getting to know those characters. And, and I, I feel like after watching a movie, uh, Sharon and I kind of have a, a phrase that she started using when she was reading you know, some different books, and, and I've, I've kind of stolen from her too, is that when we're mm-hmm. done with like a TV series or, or done reading a book or something like that, we, we always kind of like look at each other and be like, well, now I'm going to miss my friends. Because yeah. we, we, we yeah, talk about them like as, as if they're our friends because you've spent so much time with these characters. And I feel like same thing with a TV show with... The, the thing about Quantum Leap was the, the novelty of it was he was jumping from time period to time period and dealing with social issues and all kinds of other stuff. Yeah. But it was, it was developed over the course of entire seasons. And, and you know, I, I just don't know what... If they do it right, then I guess they could do it. But I just don't know if it's going to have the same impact if you try to take that concept yeah. and you try to truncate it down into like a two, two and a half hour movie yeah well yeah i i just i don't know too i mean because you know you think about it like you said that shows now you get dropped on it all at once it shows are different than what they used to be and i know that's kind of like a well duh but i mean you know you think back to watching quantum leap Mm -hmm. or think back to watching you know we discussed star trek the next generation or, you know, the other day we were out for dinner and uh, they had a 
TV screen up and they were playing Seinfeld. And I just kept thinking, my gosh, where can you stream Seinfeld? Because that is just a great show. Anyways, the point I'm trying to make is TV shows used to be written with that episodic kind of thing in mind where, you know, like the next generation, sure, there might be some overarching themes for the entire season, but for the most part, it was like, okay, they're all flying around in the enterprise and they go from one, you know, adventure to the next. And every once in a while, there might be one topic that covered two different different episodes. Yeah. But for the most part, it was just like, you go from point A to point B, the next week you go from point B to point C and the next and so forth. And now, now TV shows don't seem to do that as much. Now they are, uh, you know, uh, a 10 part movie or a 15 part movie or something like that. And it's just, um, the, the writing is different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, just because people binge. I mean, you, you binge some of those old shows, and right away you get, you're confronted with the, the pattern of those episodic shows. Okay, here we go. The show's, you know, it's an hour-long show. So at half hour, you know, the main characters are going to be lost. How are they going to get out of this one? And it's the 45-minute mark, you know, um, it's kind of like, okay, they figured it out. They're going to solve it. And at the 50-minute mark, the show's over because there's 10 minutes of commercials and you're done. Now, they don't seem to do that quite as much. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I, I mean it, not only is, are we talking about, you know, Quantum Leap, uh, an, an older style of television show, or, or I'm sorry, a television show being put into a movie, we're talking about an older style of television show and in a topic matter that really lent itself to that episodic, you're, you're someplace different each week. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I think that was just a long-winded way of saying, yeah, I agree with you. I, I, you know, if, they, if it's written well, it'll be fun to watch. But the, the original Quantum Leap, it really had that kind of magic flair to it. Yeah. Then, uh, so then here's the, here's, well, I guess, the next question um, to address pretty quickly. What about, um, would you reboot it? Would you have different actors or would you bring back Dean Stockwell and Scott Bakula? Um, if, if you had your choice, would you go with, you know, two relatively younger actors or would you stick with, would you stick with uh, Sam and Al that we already know? I don't know. It, I suppose it depends on how you're going to write it. I, my gut would just be go with Sam and Al because then you can just, you know, we all know those characters. Okay, let's give them one more adventure. Yeah. You know, and then I think, I think that kind of makes sense. As opposed to, well, we're going to introduce new characters and then, you yeah. know, he's just going to, I mean. Now, you know, unless since. you were going to redo like the origin or your, yeah. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Or if you do some kind of a. If you do some kind of a uh, Force Awakens kind of thing and you have uh, Sam and Al, you know, they're there and they've been continually leaping because that was the thing that a lot of people weren't happy about with the end of the show because mm-hmm. it got canceled um, before they really finished it was that he's still he's still leaping. Like we never saw him get to finally leap home and, and be done with it. Um, yeah. So I guess you could do kind of a Force Awakens thing and you could have the older characters somehow either finally he leaps home or 
he dies or someone chooses to take his place so he can leap home and, and then you get a new character in there and they kind of, it's like a passing the torch kind of movie. Um, yeah. You know, I guess you could do something like that. No, I think that would make sense. And I mean, I guess I kind of prejudged it. I was kind of assuming that um, it was just going to be a reboot or they were going to try, you know, something new. It yeah. didn't even occur to me that they might just be telling you like the final chapter. Yeah. You know, you, which that would be cool. Yeah. You know, I think that would be pretty cool. All right. Well, that's all I've got in terms of new movie news, but I thought that was kind of an interesting thing because I, you know, we've talked about quantum leap before and yeah. we, we both, both enjoy the show. So I figured it was, it was worth uh, asking kind of what you thought about that. And I saw a few other people respond on Twitter earlier and, and some said kind of the same things we said. They, you know, they said, Hey, more quantum leap. I don't care. You give it to me in whatever form you want to give it to me. And uh, I saw other people say, nope, I'd rather have a new TV show or I'd rather just them leave it alone and just let it be. And so they kind of ran the gamut of, of all the different responses to it. Right, so. right. I will say, well, especially, especially since we're around Halloween time too, um, I will say that uh, one of the, and I remember even as a kid, like being a little creeped out by this, was one of the Halloween episodes they did where... Um, he finds out that the owl that's been helping him is really like the devil. Do you remember that one? Do you remember you remember Devil Owl? I, I I don't. It was a Halloween episode, and he I think he jumped back to the. Oh, I want to say it's the fifties, sixties, maybe. And um, okay. there's all this like weird stuff going on, and and I think there's like a series of murders happening, and. Um, you get to a point where all of a sudden Sam realizes that the owl that's been helping him out this entire time um, hasn't been using uh, Ziggy, the computer, and he hasn't walked through any doorways. He just like suddenly appears and he's got okay. like this, like there are a couple times he has like this weird red glow around his eyes or around his face or whatever. And then there's a point at which the real owl, like a doorway opens up, he steps through it, and he goes, ah, oh, sorry, Sam, I, you know, something was wrong with Ziggy, and I'm sorry I couldn't get here uh, until just now, but I'm here, and, I, and then he like stops and looks at the other owl, and they realize that, okay, something weird and creepy is going on, and then the other owl kind of, I think he kind of disappears or, or whatever, but I remember being a little creeped out by that as a kid. Yeah, I think, well, you know, my penchant for horror, so I mean, mm -hmm. I would definitely... Uh, get creeped out. I was always creeped out by the one, you remember where the, there was like the, uh, the, the, the girl that was traveling through time just to mess things up. They had the, yeah, the evil leapers. Yeah. That yeah. was, that was a little, that was a little scary. Cause remember she had to like show that, you know, she was being raped by him or something. And so mm -hmm. there was that scene where everything was good. And all of a sudden she scratches her face and starts screaming. I just remember that. That freaked the heck out of me. Yeah. Yeah, I remember there were a couple. I, th I think there were a few. There was like a, a series of episodes, not like back to back, but I feel like there was, I feel like there were like several, over the course of the show, there were several uh, evil leapers that were trying to undo everything that Sam was doing. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it was a cool show. Yeah. It was a cool show. So, I'd, I mean, I'd love to, if they want to redo another show, I'd love yeah. to see that because I think that's, you know, you, we, there's plenty of social stuff you could talk about now and, um, Right. You know, I think it'd be it'd be a good time to do it. There's plenty of history too, since that ended, you know, in early early nineties, I think it was. There's plenty of you know, plenty of history that you can go back through and you can catch up on. Because I that was the other kind of 
I think the draw of the show was you were able to kind of go back through and see, you know, the, the history of the, of the people that would have, you know, grown up and would have been watching that TV show. You got to see kind of the history of their life from the fifties and sixties and seventies, you know, all that happened in those decades. And, and I feel like you, you're not going to run out of stuff, uh, if you were to do, you know, from like the nineties until today. So, Oh yeah. I always thought it was, uh, I always thought it was, uh, pretty cool too that you know he was supposed to be in the future you know from where we were but you know still much of what he was doing was uh traveling through like the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean it was just you know the, that that was always kind of a cool thing you know sort of a, it sort of had that that ring of you know the future and back to the future was definitely more whiz bang than the future in reality was yeah. going to be and it kind of had that feel to it that it's like, okay, well, if he's as old as he's, do you get what I'm saying with that? Yeah. I, it actually was supposed to be, I want to say like mid nineties. Like the idea was he, he okay. did like the experiment was only a few years. Cause I think the show started in 89 and, um, right. the idea being that it's only, it's only like five or six years ahead of it's only like five or six years in the future so yeah it wasn't that far which is why they could still say you know he could only leap within his lifetime so as long as it was as long as it was within those years of you know like the the 60s on up to to uh 1995 then you could leap any other time around there right right and that was the that was yeah and again that was it wasn't a knock on it it was just kind of cool that you know it, the the future that they depict there, right? What, or what, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just was more futuristic than yeah. The future was like well. We certainly don't have Ziggy. I mean, I guess we got iPhones and Alexa right. and Hey Google and all that other stuff. But um, yeah, I want to I want to get like a little ringtone where every time I get a text message, it sounds like when uh, when Al would hit Ziggy. Yeah, that, yeah, that little noise. Yeah, yeah, that was fun stuff. I, I want to be able to hit my phone and have it do that. Yeah. Uh, well, this is not yeah. a Quantum Leap podcast, so we probably should get on into our uh, our thirty something movies podcast. Um, we could, and I, I told myself I was going to be good and not like like make derogatory comments towards the movie. Yeah, or, that's fine. Or, not derogatory comments. Yeah, I guess you know, and be you like, can, no, let's keep talking about Quantum Leap. First. Yeah, you know, So, oh, you you can say yeah. you know what? You're the only other person here, so you can say whatever you want about the movie. I can't. You could even say that you're, you could even say your favorite scene is when they were waxing on and waxing off and painting the fence. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite scene is when they all went on, went on the boat. As far as I know, there are no boats in this movie, but if they were, they were hitched to the back of a trailer, but all right. So this time around, our movie is near dark. It was released on the 2nd of October, 1987 rated R and had a runtime of one hour, 34 minutes. Director was Catherine Bigelow, who also directed Point Break, The Hurt Locker, and Zero Dark Thirty. Producers, uh, producer on this one was Stephen Charles Jaffe, who also produced Ghost and Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Writer for this one, two writers for this one, Catherine Bigelow was one of the writers. She also wrote The Loveless and Blue Steel. Uh, co-writer on this one was Eric Red, who also wrote The Hitcher and Blue Steel. Cinematography was done by Adam Greenberg, who did cinematography for uh, Terminator 1 and 2, Iron Eagle, Ghost, and Rush Hour. Music was done by Tangerine Dream, who also did the music for Legend, Risky Business, and Firestarter. The budget was $5 million. The box office was $3.4 million. So they did not make back their budget, even though it was not a large budget. 
they did not make their money back. Adrian Pazdar. I don't know if you say that Pazdar. Adrian Pazdar. I'm going to go with that. Uh, played Caleb Colton. He was in Top Gun and the TV show Heroes. He was Nathan Petrelli in Heroes. Uh, Jenny Wright. Was he in Top Gun? Uh, in Top Gun, he was, I want to say he's one of the pilots. Okay. I'm going to totally forget which one, but he's one of the pilots, I believe, in Top Gun. One of the ones uh-huh. that you, I don't think you see very often. Uh, Jenny Wright. Like Hollywood or Wolfman no. or anything, is it? No, not one of those. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll look it up here in a second. I, I don't remember what his name was. Uh, Jenny Wright played May. She was in St. Elmo's Fire and The Lawnmower Man. Lance Henriksen played Jesse Hooker. He was in Aliens, Terminator, and the TV show Millennium. Bill Paxton, who just died earlier this year, I think it was in February, um, played Severin. He was in Aliens, Apollo 13, and Frailty. Jeanette Goldstein played Diamondback. She was in Terminator 2, Aliens, and Lethal Weapon 2. Tim Thomerson played Loy Colton. He was in Trancers and Iron Eagle. Joshua John Miller played Homer. He was in Halloween 3 and River's Edge. Uh, One of your favorite movies, River's Edge. Loved it. Yeah. (laughs) And Marie Leeds played Sarah Colton, uh, Caleb Colton's younger sister. She was in Beaches and the TV series Beauty and the Beast from the, I think it was from the 80s. Um, critics for this one gave it an 88%. Critics really like this one. And the audience oh, gave geez. it a 74%. I, so I knew it, man. I, this, I'm sorry. I knew it. This totally <laughs> goes against all of your opinions. <laughs> your opinions are now invalid because the critics gave it an 88%. My, <laughs> I'm imagining every molecule in my body exploding at the speed of light. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Jonathan Rosenbaum from the Chicago <laughs> Reader said, quote, this is on the whole a striking directorial debut at once scary and erotic with lots of sidelong touches in the casting direction and script. Uh, Richard Corliss from Time Magazine said, Near Dark has filmmaking finesse to spare, but puts its dank characters on display rather than caging sympathy for them. It is the blue velvet of date night spook shows. Another one of your favorite movies. <laughs> Just... I just don't get it, man. I just don't get it. <laughs> so I got a little bit of blue velvet here, a little bit of River's Edge over here. I know. He was the, well, Joshua John Miller, the, the kid that played Homer in this movie, he was the kind of weird, creepy kid that like wanted to go get the gun in River's Edge. Yeah. You know, like the creepy little brother. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cinema score for this one uh, had no cinema score, so apparently people, I don't know if they were too embarrassed to say that they liked this movie <laughs> or not. or um, They snuck out the back. They it might have snuck out the back. They might not have. I don't know if it was in enough theaters to really do a cinema score. But uh, the awards. This one was nominated for five Saturn Awards for Best Horror Film, Best Supporting Actor, Bill Paxton, Best Supporting Actress, Jeanette Goldstein, Best Performance by a Young Actor, Joshua John Miller, and Best Director, Catherine Bigelow. Okay, I'm going to try something here. And I've never, I, I started to try doing, I tried to do this for, I think, one of our other movies. And I figured... Mm-hmm little gimmicky thing that, that we could do each time is I, I try to take the entire plot of the movie and because we're the 30 something podcast, I'm going to try to condense it down to something that I can read in 30 seconds. I, I think do it, man. So I, I practiced it. I practiced, I did it for one of the other shows and, um, I've actually got, uh, John Ezra, my son. Um, I was giving him extra work cause I didn't feel like he had enough homework one night. So, um, I actually gave him the plot description from Wikipedia for, uh, Ernest goes to camp, which we're watching in December. And I, I gave yeah. that to him and I'm like, I know you've never seen this movie before, but I want you to try to summarize this movie for me in like eight sentences. 
So he okay. now like he he's excited. That's his new job. He wants to. He's helping out the podcast. He's like, can you give me more of these to do? I said, well, I'll, I'll give you the ones that are, you know, PG or PG thirteen. I'm not going to give you the R rated ones to summarize the plot of. But yeah. So he did not do this one. He's yeah. he's working on Ernest Goes to Camp. So we'll see how he does with that. But okay. All I said was give it to me in a few sentences that I can read in thirty seconds and try to make it funny. So we'll see how he does with uh, with Ernest Goes to Camp. Yeah. Okay, so so here we go. I'm going to try this. Usually, I would record this ahead of time, so I know I would get it in less than 30 seconds. But I'm just going to go cold turkey. I'm just going to do it live. We're doing it live. Do it live, man. Okay. All I'm right. Here we back. go. Here we go. Ready, set, go. Caleb Colton gets a bite from a pretty young drifter, May, and from then on, tanning's not an option. Caleb makes new vampire friends. Roll call. Severin's crazy. Jesse Hooker fought for the Confederacy. Diamondback is Jesse's girl. Homer's the kid vampire. They take Caleb to a bar for the vampire version of Driver's Ed. Caleb later saves them when surrounded Butch Cassidy style in a motel. Later, Caleb's dad brings him home and cures him with a transfusion. Vamps show up, kidnap his little sister. Showdown number one. Caleb doesn't have a stake, so he uses a truck to kill Severin. Minus one vampire. Showdown number two. Homer, Jesse, Diamondback try to run over May, Caleb, and sister but burn up and explode in the sunlight transfusion for may cue the sun that is the plot of the entire movie well done, man. in roughly 30 seconds i don't i don't know that i got it under 30 it. seconds but it's roughly 30 seconds so we roughly we did the best we could so and i think you did i mean i think that was actually that was probably more concise and 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 pithy are you feeling like the movie was I, I was gonna ask are you feeling itself. were you more entertained by my 30 seconds of of plot synopsis than you were by the the one and a half hour movie i i kind of was man <laughs> i was i was more entertained that's fine. Than plot synopsis i think the special effects and the acting were better in your your uh your plot synopsis. Okay. That was too harsh. Okay. I didn't mean to be that. Well, you, you can I be. Hey, you know what? Don't don't apologize. You be as harsh as you want to be. A lot of people listening to this yeah, don't even personally know you. So the the three guys, the three guys, probably not going to want to know me after this. The three guys living in Ireland, they've they've probably never met you. So they they probably didn't. No. They probably didn't. No. But the critics, the eighty percent that love this movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, but sometimes critics are dumb. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. And you can be as harsh as you want to be with your opinion, but we'll, we'll get into it. All right. Well, here is the, here's the trailer for Near Dark, and we will be back in just a second.
yourself some time, son. God damn, this is my family. Let it go. So there were a couple of things that I saw for this movie. Um, are, you, are you singing the trailer song? I was just kind of riffing my own, but you know this I don't want the trailer. I don't song. want to break your flow, man. We should we should actually record an actual trailer song. It'd just be a whole just be us singing it. A thirty something movie podcast soundtrack, and that would be we could do that. I no one's going to buy it, but we could totally That'd be do awesome. It. Uh, so a couple of funny things for this yeah. one while shooting in the desert because Lance Henriksen the, the guy that played Bishop in the Alien movies and he was Jesse Hooker in this one uh, he really likes to yeah. get into his characters and, and stay in character while he's making the movie yeah. so uh, apparently what he would do is, is while they were kind of shooting out in the desert uh, he'd get kind of bored between takes and so he'd jump in his car and he'd just kind of drive around through the desert and uh, you know he'd, he'd stay in his costume and, and stay in character and uh, I saw this on, Wiki, uh, on IMDB uh, according to Henriksen and Bill Paxton the two of them were stopped by a policeman one time when they were out taking a ride um, they were in their costumes and they were staying in character even when they were pulled over by the policeman uh, they were stopped by a policeman who became so unnerved while questioning Jesse about his speeding that the officer became visibly uncomfortable, stepping back and placing his hand on his firearm. The obviously flustered police officer decided to send them on their way rather than write them a ticket. So I guess, lesson for all of you kids out there, uh, if you ever get pulled over by a police officer, just act like a vampire. Yeah, just act like a vampire. Because that won't just get you in any trouble whatsoever. That, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, James Cameron, who at the time, uh, I believe at the time, was dating Catherine Bigelow, and they were married, I think a, maybe a couple years after this, uh, and I think they were only married for a couple of years, but at the time they were dating, uh, James Cameron suggested to Catherine Bigelow that she use the cast that he already had from Aliens, which had just finished filming, and so that's why we have Lance Henriksen, Bill Paxton, and Jeanette Goldstein all showing up in this movie. Uh, originally, my understanding is Michael Bean, who played um, Corporal Hicks, was also going to appear in this movie, but he decided not to. Uh, I think he read the script and he just said, no, you know what, it's not, uh, I'm not feeling it right now, so I'm going to skip this one. Uh, this was the last yeah. movie produced and released by DEG, the De Laurentiis Entertainment Group. Um, you know, Dino De Laurentiis, who had done like the Conan movies and some of the other, some of those others, um, studio went bankrupt around this time. So this was the last movie that they did. As a result, because they went bankrupt, uh, the film did not get the publicity that it needed during its release at the end of the year in 1987, which a lot of people kind of can, they say that, uh, contributed to its box office mm -hmm. failure, uh, because of that. So. In terms of background, that's all I've got for this one. Um, so let's just jump right on into the movie. Um, I believe for both of us, this was the first time we'd ever seen it. Yeah. Okay. That is the first time. Okay. <laughs> From the tone of your voice, I'm I'm getting that this is the first and last time. Well, you know, maybe tell me, I, tell maybe me what I you thought, Pat. Let's and... let's let's pretend, Pat. You're on the couch right now. Let's. Um, I'm, I... Let's pre let's pretend that you're you're on the couch and 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 I'm your movie psychiatrist, Pat. How does this movie make you yes. feel? Yes. 
I, you know what? I just, I just don't get it. I, I'm sorry. I tried. And you know what? I was going to try to be like nice and polite and everything like that. And then I saw the, I heard about the critic score for this uh, particular film. And I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just don't get it. It just, you know, all these movies that the, that the critics are like, you know, just going nuts about that they're just incredible. I just was struck. It just seemed a little, you know, a, a little rough. It was a little rough. It and wasn't quite polished. It as, was, you, as you told me earlier, you know, it, it, didn't, it didn't do it for you. Yeah, like quote quote Spaceballs. It just yeah. didn't do it for me. Yeah. I um, was some stuff that maybe they could have edited out to make it flow a little quicker. Um, what would you have, what would you have taken out? Maybe, you know, and I've thought about this because we talked about it a little bit today and I've really made an effort. Um, I made an effort to try and find, okay, well, well what, what would I do differently? You know, I would have maybe just said, okay, let's try to cut, you know, one minute out of every scene and just see, you know, if we, if it's like, it's like a production sauce, you know, it just, if we would boil out some of the excess, would we, would it just kind of flow a little bit better? Okay. And I, I wish I could be more specific than that, but there really wasn't anything specific that I'm just like, well, I really don't like that, or that's not very good, but it's just too much, uh, just too many notes. Yeah. <laughs> How about this? I'm, I'm, I'm quoting. I'm quoting Amadeus now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. How about this? You remember? Did you ever watch the show Big Brother? Um, I off and on a little bit, not much. Okay, but you've heard of the concept. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. I remember when the first Big Brother came out, and I remember I think I was with Tammy's family, and we saw it, and it was like, hey, this it's brand new, it's it, and we turned it on, and it was like you're sitting there, and you were just kind of like watching people, and nothing was happening, mm-hmm. and you were just watching people, and it was like, okay, well this is this is kind of boring. There's there's nothing happening, and then later on they realized, okay, well reality TV still has to be like, you know scripted and, and controlled and, and all that kind of stuff. So suddenly the reality, quote unquote, reality TV had a little bit more pizzazz because they, they trimmed out all the kind of excess stuff where that was just people going about their day to day. I guess that's kind of what this movie needs a little bit more of. It, it just, each scene just kind of, there was no rise. There was no climax of the action. There was no, okay, what's what's the... What's the high point of this scene? What are we driving for? And that's what this movie just seemed to not have. And then when there actually were the action sequences, they they seemed a little a little low budget for me. So it wasn't okay. even like you could slip into the okay, those are pretty cool special effects. And so it it just kind of that's that's why it fell flat for me okay does that make sense yeah it makes sense yeah so i'll well why don't you talk and then i'll compare it to um i'll uh, i'll compare it to the other vampire movie that i've that we've discussed that i 
Okay. Right. Well, because that, yeah, that's one of my other questions later on is uh, Lost Boys or Near Dark because they're mm-hmm. same year and and actually same month. I think uh, almost within like the same week as each other, um, which is probably one of the yeah. reasons that Near Dark didn't do as well. Um, well, they're 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 almost identical movies except one of them didn't suck. Well, actually, they both did because they're vampire movies. <laughs> so you get yeah, that's you know, there's, right. That's there's, right. There's there's the dad humor that I need to throw in real quick. Um, <laughs> So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why you're totally wrong. Um, yeah, man, tell me why I'm wrong. Because, uh, <laughs> because I, I actually like this movie. You know, it's not, um, I think I, when, when you and I were talking earlier, um, I think I mentioned I, I've seen it once. It's not one that I'm necessarily going to go watch again. I've got plenty of other movies. Even if I broke it down into vampire movies, um, there's plenty of other vampire movies that I have not seen. So I, I'm probably not mm-hmm. going to go see this one again, but I, I did enjoy it, and I kind of enjoyed as, the more I thought about it after watching it, um, probably about a week ago, um, was kind of how it takes the whole idea of the vampire story, and and is just it's really different, and I think mm-hmm. part of the struggle with looking at it that way is we we live in a time where in the last few years we've had very different vampire movies we've had like the twilight movies come out where vampires are glittery and and beautiful and uh you know there's the vampire diaries show that's on i think it's on uh, the cw and there was the true blood uh tv show i I had watched that one years ago and um you know so we've had and and there's been several other vampire movies and, and other things where you have kind of the the beautiful the vampires are all very beautiful and they're all very attractive and, and it's, it's all about, um, you know, it's all about seduction and, and all this other stuff. And, and I think one thing that I kind of had to go back to when I was thinking about this movie was in 1987, you really didn't have that. And I think we, we kind of talked about that a little mm-hmm. bit with lost boys, that lost boys was really kind of one of the first movies. And, and so then by default, this one too, cause they were made at the same time. Um, these are really kind of the first two vampire movies that at least I can think of where the vampires are either made to seem more human or made to seem more attractive. Mm-hmm. And that it really wasn't, you know, up to this point, you really didn't have a, there's, there's possibly some that I'm missing. Um, I'm thinking there's like a, there was a David Bowie one, uh, you know, that came out, the hunger was called, it came out in 1981 maybe. Um, but yeah, before this, I really can't think, before Lost Boys and before Near Dark, I really can't think of a vampire movie where you were meant to almost humanize the vampires. Because in watching this one, that, that's what I thought was kind of interesting, was a lot of the old vampire movies on up through the 70s, the vampire is always a monster. It's always a monster mm-hmm. that you have to battle. And you know, in, in some of the more recent movies too, the, the vampire is a monster. I mean, you, you, well, I guess the blade movies are a little bit different. They're both monster and they're meant to be kind of young and attractive, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, in this one, what I thought was kind of interesting was it's a lot like, but, but several years before it's a lot like interview with the vampire. Did you ever see that one? The Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise. I, I did not see that. one. Okay. So that one is kind of a, you've, you've got kind of a family of vampires and you kind of see them, over the over a longer period of time, you kind of see them live out their lives, and and at some point they really get along with each other, and then at some point they hate each other, and and there's all this other stuff in between. 
and that was what was kind of interesting about this one is this is the I feel like this is the first time other than the the gang of teenage vampires that you see in Lost Boys. Um, right. This is kind of the first time that you see a vampire family. And mm-hmm. so I, I thought that part was kind of interesting of, of showing these vampires as actually the vampires in the movie, even though they're the ones doing this brutal killing. Um, they're, they're also, I think, a little bit sympathetic in this movie. I mean, you spend more time with them. You see that they really care for each other. Um, you know, they, mm-hmm. they take care of each other. They're not going to easily let someone join their family. You know, that they're not going to just take him in right away because that's they've built this family unit out of a group of people that normally would not get together in the same room. And right. uh, right. so, I, you know, that part of it I, I thought was interesting for it being something different. Like it's not, it, especially at the time, it wouldn't have been your typical vampire movie that Catherine Bigelow right. and, and what was the other guy, Eric Redd, uh, who wrote this, and then Catherine Bigelow directing it, that they really were doing something different with the vampire genre. And then on top of that, you're doing a, like a vampire western, which I I remember hearing that back in the 60s, there was a, a very low-budget uh, Billy the Kid versus Dracula. Oh. Like, as far as I know, I don't know any of the okay. actors that were in that movie, but I do know that there was a movie where um, it right. was Dracula is coming, Dracula comes to America, and he wants to, uh, is it like some rancher's daughter or something like that? That he, That's his next victim, is, is some wealthy rancher. He wants oh. to, to turn his daughter into a, a vampire bride for himself. And so you end up with this, this uh, showdown, uh, Billy the Kid versus Dracula. So other, other than yeah. that, I know nothing else about that movie. That may be the only other vampire Western that yeah. existed up to that point. But, um, but that was something else that I kind of thought was interesting about this movie was the kind of mixture of the two genres. You don't get a lot of horror Western, I don't feel like. Right, um, right. And so that, I, I, th- I thought that was kind of cool too because it's very, you know, you're, I don't remember if they ever say, do they ever say that this is, takes place in Oklahoma? Because that is where it's supposed to be. Uh, not that I know of. Okay. I mean, you, you get the sense that it's a Southern town, that it's a very small town. Um, mm-hmm. so, I mean, you, you get all that stuff. And, and I think one of the reasons that I liked this movie and I liked, even though, even though it might not have the same action as say Lost Boys or some of the others, um, and it definitely didn't have the humor. That's one place where I think Lost Boys, the action and the humor in Lost Boys, that's where I think yeah. that totally blows this movie out of the water. But this movie, it was kind of the, it really kind of captured the small town Southern feel to it. Um, mm. And that's something that there's, there's an author that I like. Uh, I have read most of his short stories. Larry Brown is his name. Mm-hmm. And he just, he writes about small town Southern life. You know, half of, half okay. of his stories probably start with, you know, some guy hopping in his car with a you know, warm six pack of beer in the passenger seat next to him. And then he's going to go off and I don't know, just have some warm beer, typical warm beer, Southern night and, you know, go see his friends. And there's not a whole lot necessarily that happens action wise in those stories, but it's just kind of a a little slice of life, get to know this person. Um, Uh And I kind of feel like that this movie did that part very well. I feel like I know these characters better than I knew the characters. I keep comparing this to Lost Boys because I know we're going to get to that here in just a second. But right. I feel like I know these characters better than I know the characters in Lost Boys. So I kind of yeah. I liked its I liked its 
okay. southern flavor to it. I liked that they were doing something different with the vampire genre because I'm a I'm a big fan of vampire movies. I, you know, I, right. I think I mentioned it once before. Like as a as a eighth grader, I was writing my own vampire novel, and I would go down to the uh, right. bookstore and I'd pull the vampire books off the shelf and I'd sit there and and just read them for a really long time and and read up as much as I could on, you know all about vampires and vampire lore and, and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one to me was, was interesting because of the way they kind of changed that was that you didn't, vampires were different. They weren't monsters, although they did monstrous things. They just seem like normal right. people. And they seem like, you know, if you take the Western side of things, they, they seem like a, a band of gunslingers, you know, it was almost like, in a way it was almost like young guns or, or, you know, tombstone and you just had this group of maybe cowboys that were hanging out and, and that was their thing. And, you know, they'd come yeah. bust up a bar every now and then. And now granted well, and in tombstone, in tombstone, nobody's drinking somebody's blood out of a beer mug, but. Right. Right. Well, and, and maybe that's, that's, maybe that's my failing with this uh, genre mm-hmm. that I, that I am bringing to this is I, I didn't see you know, after you said it was kind of supposed to be a crossover between that and the Western, and, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, well, I can kind of see where here's the showdown and yeah. all this kind of stuff. But I guess, see, I don't come to this with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, prior experience with horror movies. Yeah. So I just kind of come and I'm just like, all right, there's some vampires and that's just kind of about it. Which, I mean, which I'm, I, I I'm get, interested. I get what you're saying. I'm, yeah. I don't want to, I'm not trying to imply that you're, you know, I find your feelings invalid with it, but I, I just, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, I see it. I just, which, which then I, I think that's a fine criticism of the movie because I think I'm not going to put words in their mouths, but I think the writer and the, the writers and the director of this movie would rather you see this as a vampire movie that happens to take place or, or, or a story in the South in a small Southern mm-hmm. town that happens to feature vampires. Okay. I, I don't think they would want you to have to come to this movie with a lot of background knowledge on vampires. So if that's, okay. if you come from it from a place where you say, nah, you know, I don't, I don't know and care a lot for vampire movies and I don't like this movie. Then I think that criticism would be more valid. I'm just guessing, um, would be more valid to them because okay. I don't think that they wanted this to be a horror movie. Mm-hmm. I think it was meant to just be more a movie about, you know, having this horror aspect to it. Um, Cause right. I, actually I think originally they were writing this just as a Western and then they had to change a little bit because they realized, okay, nobody really wants to see Westerns right now, uh, but horror movies are making lots of money. So let's switch this up a little bit and let's make this a, a horror movie. Right. So yeah, I, th- well, I, I think the be. fact that it's, I think the fact that it's, I don't know that it would want to be called a horror movie. Yeah, and the fact that you still didn't care for it, I think is is maybe a more valid criticism than what some of the other critics would have written about it. Yeah, if that well, makes you know, if that makes sense. Again, i i don't want to I don't want to judge a movie just because the genre isn't my particular thing. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm, I mean, there's there's plenty of movies that like that. You know, I love that people were like, oh, well, that was too boring or that was the, and it's like, yeah, but you don't understand. This isn't just, you know, a movie. This shows 
ABCD, you know, I go through the laundry list of things. Right. Just like, you know, many, many of the things that you seem to be getting excited about are, you know, the, the crossover idea, which I know you're a pretty big fan of with yeah. comics and, and so forth. You know, the idea that it was one of the first, you know, turn the vampire paradigm on its ear kind of movie. You know, that was exciting. And, you know, I just, yeah, that, that just doesn't get me as much. And, but again, I mean, the real, the first horror movie that I ever really saw was The Lost Boys. So, I mean, that's kind of all I've ever known about vampires. So, yeah. so for, for, for me, it's kind of like, okay, well, that, that's not that revolutionary. That's just all I've ever known. Yeah. Well, and, and in that movie, too, I mean, you had... You, they went through in that movie and they followed the different, you know, rules that a vampire has to follow. Like, you won't see, you know, it's almost like gremlins having the three rules and, and you know, with Lost Boys, right. you know, you won't see their reflection. Um, or, you know, holy water hurts them or, or a stake through the heart or, you know, stuff like that. Garlic. They don't like garlic. So you had all that stuff and it was all, you know, you kind of, you had the... You had the Corys that were, uh, you know, r- running through your um, your vampire rules on how to fight these things, and in this movie, um, you know, you didn't have any of that. You, as far as I know, they don't. Even, I think I read a couple of places they don't even say the word vampire in this movie. And the other thing that that I thought was right. kind of cool about this one is, and I, I was waiting for it because I don't think I ever saw it at any point in this movie. Um, none of them at any point in time, as far as I can remember, none of them showed any kind of sharp vampire teeth. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in every single vampire movie I've ever seen, every vampire has extra sharp canine teeth. And that's what they're using to to bite, you know, bite people's necks or bite their arms right. or whatever and drink the blood. But this movie, I don't feel like I ever saw anybody flash any kind of sharp teeth. There were no rules other than the whole sunlight thing. Um, you know, there were no rules about crosses. There were no rules about holy water. There's no rules about garlic. None of that. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting that, that they Mm -hmm. would kind of take that approach of, of if you, if they weren't supernaturally strong and if they didn't start to burst into flames around sunlight, I mean, you'd almost, you'd almost look at this movie and not even think that they're vampires at all. So I thought that was kind of an interesting, Mm -hmm. interesting, interesting shift in, in the vampire story. But I will, you know, talking about Lost Boys, I will admit that Lost Boys I so here's my and I'm so we'll just go on into this question which one's better and I think I know your answer yes. to it but I'll say yeah. Lost Boys wins in the action and humor department. Mm-hmm. You know the characters the characters are fun and the characters are likable and the music is amazing, uh, especially the yep. the saxophone solo that's in there. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think for me the. I'm going to kind of say the opposite of, of what you said earlier. For me, for this movie, I think these characters are richer characters. I think okay. that there's there's more they're more fleshed out, pun intended. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel like I I know these characters better than I know the. I like the characters in Lost Boys, and and they're funny and, and there's good action, but right. I I feel like I maybe know these characters a little bit better in Near Dark. Right. Well, and I think you just basically summed up why I probably would favor something like the Lost Boys better. Mm-hmm. And, and Lost Boys, I probably in the act. Lost Boys, I probably would go rewatch more. Right. Right. And 
Yeah. And I think that's it. I mean, the, the thing I remember about that movie, the action, the humor, um, the motorcycle scene, and the great music, you know, didn't have it. So I'm kind of like, eh, the, the, the draw for me just isn't quite there mm-hmm. as much. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I get, this makes me think about when <clears throat> somebody asked a question, I think on Twitter a while back, and it was, um, what is, I'm trying to think of how they worded it, what is the best Indiana Jones movie? And I had a hard time with that one. Because mm-hmm. there's a difference between, depending on what you're thinking of as best, there's the one that I think is the better quality movie overall, and then there's the one that I have more fun watching. Right. And I, and I have a really hard time picking between the two. If I had to, mm-hmm. when, when that question got asked, I was like, okay, well, crap. <laughs> um, right. All right. I, Raiders of the Lost Ark, to me, is the better overall quality movie. The one that I will go okay. rewatch more often will be Last Crusade. Right. Because that one to me is just, it's more fun. Raiders, I think, is a better movie. Last Crusade, still a, a great movie, but just maybe a little bit more fun, so I'll rewatch that one more often. And that's what I kind of think right. about these movies is overall quality-wise, I think Near Dark is maybe a better movie. I will go rewatch Lost Boys more often because right. it's maybe a little bit more fun. So that's where I'm at. These yeah. Days. Yeah. No, I'd buy that. <clears throat> I'd buy that for a dollar. You buy that for a dollar? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I've got nothing else. I mean, you know, I really, I can't, yeah, I really can't, I can't bash the movie or find fault with things. It just, it, 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 um, you know, there wasn't anything real like, Oh, that totally grossed me out, or the, mm-hmm. the suspense was so horrible. I'm not going to sleep for a year. You know, right. I, I can't watch this. Right? Was there uh, were there just, any were there any scenes that jumped out at you, and you were like, "Ah, oh, that was awesome." Well, it's funny. I um, I liked the kid vampire that wasn't the kid. Didn't they refer to him as the old man? Really? Yeah, Homer. Yeah. Yeah. Is that Homer the, the kid? Homer is the kid. So. Yeah. And, and the reason that I kind of dug that was because it reminded me of, um, it reminded me of um, um, the Highlander. Do you remember the Highlander TV series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever see the one where the kid showed up, but he was like 6,000 years old or something? Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, it just, it made me think of that. And it was, it was like, you know, they kind of went down that particular rabbit hole and it was like, oh yeah, what happens if, you know, as a... Um, um, as an immortal, which, I, you know, I'm going to pause 10 seconds here so anyone that's watching the Highlander TV series can fast forward so that I don't spoil it. This is your uh, spoiler music. Avoid the spoiler it's, music. Avoid the spoiler. Okay. All it's right, kind of so like, like the, uh, the Noid from Domino's. It, yeah. Man, avoid, the avoid the Noid. Avoid the Noid. I remember that. <laughs> Do you remember they even had like an avoid the noid video game? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I do. I think I rented that one time. The The irony was I would have rented it in the town that we lived in in Texas. There was the Blockbuster yeah. video was right next to a Little Caesars. So I think I rented the Domino's Pizza Avoid the Noid video game while having uh, Little Caesars pizza for dinner. <laughs> that is outstanding. If, if either Our Domino's time. or Little Caesars would like to uh, sponsor the podcast, please let yeah. us know. You can get in touch with us by calling 872-356-6843. There you go. Yeah, we will podcast for pizza. and Absolutely. Dennis might even show up then. Dennis but, will show up. Um, you can pay us in pizza. We don't really care. But, okay, so enough time. People, people can now be spoiled. Yeah. But there was that cool episode where, you know, the kid was, uh, uh, he appeared as a kid, but they're like, yeah, better avoid him because he was like 6,000 years old or mm-hmm. something or 10 million years old or whatever the heck it was. Yeah. And he had just been turned into an immortal as a kid. So he never got to grow up for being a kid, but in reality, he was, you know, he'd been alive for 5,000 years. So that's kind of the, I kind of got a little gist of that in this movie, and it was kind of like, oh, that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, none of the other, none of the other scenes, and that was kind of the thing, like, the big fight scenes, it, it, it didn't, I mean, it wasn't like there was some big choreographed fight. It wasn't like there was, you know, huge special effects where, you know, they lift an entire town up and have it come crashing to earth like, like the Avengers or something like that. Yeah. Um, everything just kind of flatlined for me. I mean, I hate to keep repeating that, but that was yeah. nothing else really stood out as, oh, wow, that was awesome. You know, yeah, yeah. I you know I've got a couple of scenes I think in particular. I the the scene at the bar, um, you know, and that a part of that is just uh, Bill Paxton, and just yeah, you know, he just totally chews up the scene uh, that he's. I mean, it's, it's almost like you've got if you if you dropped, um, you know, if you pulled Hudson out of Aliens and dropped him in here and made him a vampire, it's pretty much the same kind of attitude and the same mm-hmm. kind of like larger than life character. Um, so I did like that, that whole scene in the bar that, that was, that was kind of fun. And, and, and then just kind of the, the tension of that whole scene, cause they're trying to get Caleb to, you know, to kill someone. They're trying to, you know, push him into fully giving up, you know, his humanity and coming over to, to be a vampire. And, and, uh, and then another part where they take the, like you said, they take the vampire paradigm and they, they flip it over was, uh, when uh, Bill Paxton's character, Severin, when he's about to go bite the one guy's neck and he stops and he's like, man, I hate it when they have it shaved. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> I actually laughed out loud at that part because I was like, you know what? I, that might, that probably would bother a vampire. Right. I've never thought of it before, but that probably would be, it would bother a vampire because most times in like the old Dracula movies, you're, you know, they're always, you know, biting the neck of some woman or, you know, they don't, nobody ever comments on that part, but you know, that's his first thing is, yeah, I hate it when they haven't shaved. Right. So I, I did appreciate that part. Um, I did like some of the other little comments that they would make here and there, like when they're talking to Jesse, when they're talking to Lance Henriksen, Henriksen's character and okay. Caleb asks him, you know, how old are you? And he goes, let's put it this way. I fought for the South. Yeah, that was, that was fun. We lost. Yeah. And uh, they reference uh, they reference the time they were in Chicago and they started a fire. Right. I was like, okay, right. that's that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool throwing that stuff in there. And so I will say before we wrap up, I will say the one thing that I 
don't know that I was a huge fan of in the movie, and, and I think I've heard this from other people who like uh, this movie as well, is the mm-hmm. ending. The ending. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure that I like. I get it, especially if it's kind of the idea of the western, where you know the they walk off into the sunset. Um, you know, at the end of the western, when the good guy has won, walking off into the sunset after the showdown, but. I don't know the the whole idea of the happy ending, the happy ending for everybody. The that a vampire could be. I, I thought it was unique that you could have a vampire, um, you know, be unvampified um, through a blood mm-hmm. transfusion. But then at the same time, that kind of takes away the. I don't know. That kind of takes away some of the creepiness of getting turned into a vampire in the first place. Is that's supposed to be a a permanent thing that you once you go down that path you can't undo right and i i thought it was interesting it was a unique way of you know handling how you were going to save these characters but at the same time i was like uh eh, that's kind of some of the that's that's kind of some of the horror factor of a vampire is once you get turned there's no going back it's like the same thing with zombies once you get bitten you're done for right like there's not a way of fixing this so, so I don't know if I cared for that, the, the way everybody got cured and how it was a, a happy ending at the end. Don't know that I, I cared for that part so much, but other than that, I, the rest of the movie is fine with me. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my take on it. Well, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It, and and it, it did seem relatively like, and I think I even had to ask you when the dad was saving him and I'm just like, yeah, the, you know, there was kind of that montage scene, you know, sort of like. Star Trek Three: Search for Spock, where there's just them with their eyes shut and they're playing the the dramatic music, and suddenly Spock's good again. Yeah. It was kind of like that. It just kind of had the montage of the dad hooking him up, and I was kind of like, "Did I miss something? Did they do anything in particular to get him to be unvampified? Yeah, or unvampified, unvampified. That works too. Or, or did they just kind of, you know, suspend your disbelief and this is what they did? Yeah. So. Yeah, and that was kind of, that was, for me, that was just kind of what happened with the scenes. Like, each scene just kind of, I, I've said, you know, other times I've said it just plotted along yeah. or just kind of happened. Whereas <clears throat> in uh, Lost Boys, there was, you know, every scene kind of drove to a point. And again, this is going to tell you what I like in movies, you know, comedy and action. But, like, you know, the scene where he's out exploring, you know, the first night he's out on the town, you know, there it shows them kind of walking around, checking out the party, and it culminates in the saxophone player that you love so much, yeah. singing that song. And then, you know, you get the scene where the kid's walking around the comic book shop. Well, what was that point? Well, that was, that was to give you, that was supposed to bring in some of the Goonies feel where he meets the Frog Brothers. And so you've got some comedy. Okay, well, that scene had a point. Um, or not not a point, because I get how in, in uh, uh, what did we just do? In Near Dark, the scenes had points to them, but it never drove to a climax. Yeah. It, whereas in Lost Boys, it, there would be a point to the scene, but it would drive to a climax. You know, he goes to pick up the girl and you know, he runs into the to the, the vampire gang, and what's the climax of that scene? The bike chase. Yeah. Okay, well, well, what does that lead to? 
all right, well, then that leads to um, him starting to be indoctrinated into the, the vampire lore, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, so that, so each there, there was an ebb and a flow. It, it wasn't just like, you know, okay, now we're over here, now we're over here, and now there's chasing, and now there's eerie music, and I, so I get where you're coming from, where certain of the ideas were, you know, fleshed out, and certain of the ideas were, oh, wow, I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was just kind of like, I could have this on in the background, and I didn't feel like I was missing that much. Yeah, yeah. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, so so I think overall we're we're split this time around. Um, you know, Pat not so keen on this one. Uh, I'm I'm totally fine with it, and you know, so I I would recommend it to you know somebody who maybe is enjoys the vampire genre and wants to see something maybe a little bit different. But keep in mind, if you're going to watch this movie, that this was something different at the beginning of the shift, I think that we're kind of in now where the vampires are more glamorous and attractive and, you know, uh, we're kind of humanizing the vampires in a lot of vampire stories today. So like your, your twilight and your other your true blood and, and uh, stuff like that. Um, you know, I think that that's where we're at now, but I think that shift probably started with these movies with like lost boys uh, that we did earlier this year, and then uh, Near Dark. So if you do go, if you're a fan of vampire movies, and you do go to watch this one, just keep in mind that this is when that concept was fairly new. Um, so don't, you know, don't go into it being like, oh man, I'm a total vampire fan, and I love, you know, Twilight and Vampire Diaries, and this is going to be exactly like that. It's not. Um, so I'll just give you a heads up. If, if that's what you're looking for, just remember this movie came out 30 years ago. So this would have been kind of the start of maybe the modern trend of vampire movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not a vampire movie fan, um, maybe, maybe give it a pass. Yeah. I, you know, the other, yeah. the other interesting thing about this one too is, is that, um, and I've heard a few people comment on this is that, um, especially, uh, people that I you know, either talked to on Twitter or somewhere else who saw this at the time it came out was that it was still fairly, it was still fairly rare to have a, a movie directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, interestingly enough that the, and, and horror movies too, but um, you know, that this was her first feature film. Um, you know, later on she'd go on to win awards for her other ones for, you know, zero dark 30 and, and hurt locker and some of those. Um, but, you know, that I remember some people told me that they remembered that kind of being a surprise is when they went to the theater to go see this or if they rented it on VHS, they were kind of surprised to see under the director title. It was it was a woman's name just because that at the time was still a, a fairly rare thing to have a Hollywood movie directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. So right, if you're a fan of, of Catherine Bigelow's other stuff, I think definitely this is one that you'd want to go check out, too. Um, yeah you know, to, to complete your viewing library of, of her body of work. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's at least worth giving, would you say it's at least worth giving a try? I think it's worth giving a try. Okay. And again, I think you have to, um, you have to take everything I say with, uh, with a grain of salt, just because 
what 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 I like in a movie, this didn't provide. But right. that just doesn't that doesn't make it a bad movie. Right. If you're if you're wanting and so I, if you're wanting more humor and, and kind of big bigger action sequences, this is not the movie for you. Exactly. Yeah. And I and I, I really think that Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's it. I mean, and that's why and I, I really I made it a goal to not, you know, just trash the movie and, and get on it just because I don't like the particular genre. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to that claim, but yeah, check it out. I mean, if you're interested in the horror genre, check it out. If you're, you know, interested in this director and you really want to see all of her work, then yeah, definitely, you know, check out this as, as in, you know, some of her very early work, if not the first feature length, you know, movie that she's done. But I mean, if you're not in a horror and you're not in a vampires, um, I, I would pass on this movie because go, go rent lost boys, go rent lost boys, because this movie doesn't provide enough of the, um, doesn't provide enough of the other stuff to, to keep you entertained. Yeah. Right. a summer blockbuster popcorn simpleton, then yeah. I, you know, then I guess that's what I am. Okay. <laughs> I, we were never going to call you a simpleton, but you know, yeah. since, since you called yourself yeah. that, then <laughs> they will just kind of go with it. There we go. All right. Well, that's so, going to do it for but, our review of near dark. Yeah. Did you have something else you want to say? Well, I was just going to say, it was kind of like, you know, I remember when we were talking about, um, uh, uh um, the, the movie with the guy that sang La Bamba. La Bamba. Yeah. Wasn't that the movie? Yeah, La Bamba. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, where, where we were talking about that, and I remember that, you know, when we were discussing it, <clears throat> some of the guys were saying, yeah, it kind of dragged. It didn't quite have as much pizzazz as I wanted. There was a little too much character development, you know. And I came at that from the other angle, and I just said, oh, this is awesome. I want more. I, I, you know, like it's it's a two-hour movie. I want it to be an eight-hour movie. Gotcha. I want it to go more in depth. This this was awesome, and I think it's just it's what the topic matter is, and where some people are coming at it saying, okay, well, I'm I'm not into the topic matter on its own. So this movie has to do something a little bit over the over and above to really suck me in. Yeah. Whereas I'm like. Man, I'm in. This is cool. This is a, you know, an historical musical figure. This guy was, you know, I, I don't need, I don't need to be, I don't need a hook. I don't need to get sucked in. I'm already into it, and that's kind of what it is for me with this. I'm not into this genre, so I need like the bigger hook. Yeah. And so, you know, if if you're of that ilk, then yeah, maybe give this movie a pass. But if you're not, if you do like horror movies and or vampire movies in particular, then check the movie out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for Near Dark for us. Um, you can uh, you can hit us up next month when we are in our month of money, money, money movies. Um, money, 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 money. Um, so yeah, so episodes 160 through about probably like 164 uh, will be the month of November. And we're going to be looking at Wall Street, uh, oh, The Secret of My Success. That's a good one. Um, 
Wall Street, The Secret of My Success, Baby Boom, Can't Buy Me Love, and hopefully, my fingers are crossed, hopefully we can finish out the month with a very positive review of Justice League. Oh, I, that comes out in November, huh? It comes out November 17th. We got two weeks. Oh my gosh. So, two weeks. Two oh, weeks. dude. That's the same day Longmire, the final yes, season it is. of Longmire comes out. Yes, it is. So, I, my fingers crossed that we can have a, a positive review for that one. But uh, we'll probably do that one last uh, in the month just to give everybody a figure. Like over the week of Thanksgiving, people might go see movies and give everybody a chance yeah. to, to see if they get a chance to go see it or not. And, and then we'll probably uh, throw that one out there right at the very end of November. And then uh, December, it got to December and I just had no clue. I, I was trying to make up categories for each of the months for our movies. And I did a pretty good job for the first 11 months. And then it just reached a point where I was like, you know what? I got all these movies left. And for the life of me, I can't come up with a theme that, that ties these movies together. So December is just called our leftovers month. Mm-hmm. And because uh, you got to finish your leftovers before the end of the year, so um, right. So in the month of December, and, and a couple of these are going to be actually a lot of these are going to be really fun. Uh, the month of December, we are doing Fatal Attraction. Uh, okay. I, I think if I imagine, we're probably all going to go see this. Uh, we're going to do the Disaster Artist. Oh. So, <laughs> dude, was that you telling me that you're hearing kids in the hall going, "Oh, hey, Mark." Oh, hey, Mark. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, that's we work at a middle school. There's no reason why middle school kids should know anything about that movie. Uh, yeah. But yeah, when I heard outside my office, I remember one day I heard, oh, hey, Mark. And he, just the way he said it, I'm like, you know what? I don't care if his friend's name really is Mark. Just the way he said that, the tone of voice, the inflection, yeah. everything. He has, to, he has to know what he's saying. He has yeah. to know what movie that's from. So. Yeah, that's just wrong. Um, so, yeah, so our, our second movie in December is going to be The Disaster Artist, because I imagine we'll all go see it. Um, and then uh, next one after that, Ernest Goes to Camp. Mm-hmm. Another fun one. Uh, number one, I think about one episode 168 or so, will be Throw Mama from the Train. Okay. Another fun one. I haven't seen that one in a while. And we will end the year off with end the year off on a strong point. Our last movie for 2017 will be Star Wars The Last Jedi. Oh, my gosh. So. 2017 is just a banner year for movies. Oh, I know. What do we we start off with? We start off with, like, Logan and... Logan. Oh, my Lord. I'm going to go back to my list of the movies we did at the beginning of the year. February, I think the kids and I did a Lego Batman movie episode. And then then in March, we talked about Logan. And then you had uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. You had... um, the new Alien movie, which is not as good as I wanted it to be. You had Wonder Woman. Um, and then you've got, and the ones that I still have not had a chance to see that I would really like to see in the theater, um, It has come out and has gotten some pretty good reviews. Um, War for Planet of the Apes. War for Planet of the Apes. I did not get to see in the theater, but it's out on video now, so I'm going to go check that one out. Um, Blade Runner 2049, I'd still like to see that one in the theater. And... Um, uh, Thor Ragnarok just came out this last weekend, uh, or no, it's coming out this weekend. Um, right. So that one's coming out this weekend. Then you've got. Hopeful, Did you see? Hopefully, you Justice League will be about good. That? Have you seen the Rotten Tomatoes on uh, Ragnarok? No, I haven't. I originally some of the first um, some of the first reviews that I heard were pretty positive, 
And then there was like a whole slew of reviews that I heard that were not so positive. Um, I'm actually going to Rotten Tomatoes right now. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes actually gives it a 96%. 96%. Wow. I know. I saw that. Even if you did, uh, if you switch over to top critics, so sometimes these are the like the, the most well-known critics, the ones that you know, maybe they're more professional. I'm going to quote fingers here. They're the more professional critics. Uh, even if you switch it over mm-hmm. to top critics, it's still 88%. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'll be curious to see that one because, I mean, it looks like fun. Just from that first trailer, when you see, you know, he's in the arena and you see the Hulk, you just mm-hmm. bust through that door and just, yes, I right. know him. He's a friend from work. Right. Yeah. So looking forward to seeing that one. Yeah. Probably probably we'll see that one. Well, and see, there's there's a whole bunch of movies Usually we have a tradition of watching a movie over Thanksgiving and there's like, there's so many movies that I want to see. And I know my mother-in-law is, I think would really enjoy the new, um, uh, murder on the Orient Express. Okay. There's, there's a new one of those that's out. Uh, Kenneth Branagh is playing detective Poirot in that one. Um, a lot of okay. great actors in that one. Daisy Ridley, um, uh, Ray from star Wars is in that one. Michelle okay. Pfeiffer is in that one. Whole bunch of, I think Johnny Depp is in that one. Um, that's the murder mystery on the train. And, uh, so I, there's too many movies. There's too many movies and not enough time to see them all. Right. And not enough money in my wallet to see them all. Right. So, but hopefully we'll get some of those in. Yeah. Well, you know, that's why, uh, that's why they created Blu-ray players. That's why Blu-ray and Netflix and and DVD exists. Right. Exactly. So in the meantime, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, if you totally disagree with, well, I mean, I guess we both had two opposing viewpoints here. So if you agreed with one of us or if you disagreed with the other one, uh, feel free to email us or call us or tweet us or whatever you want to do. Uh, smoke signals if you want to. Um, we are at 30podcast.com. That's 30podcast.com. That's our website. And from there, you can find all the different ways you can get in touch with us. We've got email. We've got voicemail. We've got uh, Facebook, Twitter. Um, Instagram, all those different things. So uh, you can get in touch with us there if you just go to 30podcast.com. But you can email us at 30podcast at gmail.com. We are at 30podcast on Twitter, facebook.com slash 30podcast. You can find us and listen to us and subscribe to us on Stitcher, Satchel, Google Play Podcasts, iTunes, or you can just listen directly from Uh, Mm 30podcast.com. So that's that's my spiel. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Dude. And even though, even though everybody's going to hear this uh, the day after Halloween, I'm going to go ahead and say happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Hope everybody stays safe. And, and if you get any candy you don't want, um, you can call the voicemail line, and I will let you know where to ship it to. That sounds good. So I, especially Reese's Peanut Butter Cups or Reese's Pieces. I will take those. There it is. Okay. All righty. Well, in the meantime, thank you, Pat. Thank you, John. Hey, dude, I made it through. You did. You didn't fall asleep. I know. When you said that today, that was like command performance when you're like, dude, I think it just might be you and me tonight. I'm like, oh, man, I can't fall it's asleep. It's like, dude, you're going to have to stay awake. I mean, I could, <laughs> I could, you know, pardon the pun, I can vamp and I can, you know, I can keep going here without you. But it, I mean, eventually I'm going to have to stop asking rhetorical <laughs> questions and I'm going to have to start doing my Pat Canigallo oh, impersonation. Gosh. Pat, yeah. Pat oh what do you think about gosh. this movie? Oh, man, it's awesome. I think it's totally awesome. It's the best vampire movie I've ever seen. And then, yeah. 
my my pat my pat yeah. impersonation is not quite as good as Dennis's. I think Dennis has it down pretty well. <laughs> yeah, Dennis has. Well, Dennis just has impersonations down. For yeah, so. yeah. Uh, I will say for the listening audience, for those of us, for those who have been listening to us for like the entire time we've been on, uh, if you remember back to when we did the Howard the Duck episode and how much Dennis hates Howard the Duck, I I played a little prank on him. I was using his room the other night when we had kind of a a, a, a evening party at the middle school. Some students were there. It's like a lock-in. Yeah, it's kind of like a lock-in without being locked in, but... And uh, I was using Dennis's classroom to uh, show a movie. So it's kind of a room where, like, if the kids get overwhelmed by all the noise and everything else going on, they can just come sit in here, watch a movie for a couple minutes, and then go back out. And uh, so I, um, I was using his classroom and had his uh, computer in front of me on the desk. And before I left at the end of the night, I switched his desktop background to be Howard the Duck. Yeah. And, and I did get a text message from him, something to the effect that I, I, I place a curse on you um, when he got there the next morning and opened up his computer and it happened to be that, that Howard the Duck was uh, staring him in the face. So uh, I made sure it was just Howard the Duck and not the bathroom scene because I don't want anybody to get fired. Yes, that's, so. that's what we do. That's what we don't do on work. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm all for, I'm all for the, the good-natured prank, but... Um, I don't want anybody to get in trouble. So, in the meantime, um, Pat, I will probably see you tomorrow. But uh, in the meantime, we will see you all back here next week for Wall Street. And uh, yes, you know be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies. That sounds good. All right, we'll see you all next time for Wall Street. Finger licking good.